Welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm the other host, Asia Bonilla. We're back this week finishing the second book of The Giver Quartet, Gathering Blue. And believe it or not, I felt much the same as I did about the first half. So I'm really excited to start a new book and see if that's any different. Tough crowd over here. But as we like to say (laughs) every week, we're a book club podcast with the Nerd Party Network. And we're reading and rereading young adult books from our adolescents. And I've read The Giver and Gathering Blue before. But I haven't read the next two books, Messenger or Sun, so next week we'll actually be diving into the unknown together. Yes, so we'll both be newbies then, but as the full newbie to the series, I get to give a quick plot summary for anyone who needs a refresher of the main plot points of the reading. So diving in, we have Kira who's just stitching along, and again, she's getting all suspicious. And she and Thomas meet Joe, who is the baby who was crying on the floor below them. And we learn that Joe has a talent for singing. And Thomas and Kira kind of start to realize that the Council of Elders has probably orphaned all of them to collect their artistic abilities for themselves and their use. And we finally get to the singing and the explanation of the rituals. And it's revealed that the singer is actually in chains. And then Matt, the little dirty boy, comes back from his journey, having brought a man from another village who, because he has a blue shirt and it's showing that they can dye blue. And obviously one of the main plot points of this book is that Kira is trying to figure out how to dye blue, gathering blue, blah, blah, blah. And we find out that this mystery man is actually Kira's father, Christopher, and Then the book pretty much just ends after that. And pretty much it just ends with that. And Kira decides that she's going to stay in the village while her father's going to go back to the new village where he went to. And that's just kind of the weird ending. And (laughs) my impressions of the book are just, you know, obviously, as I talked in the last episode, to me it had a pretty slow start. And then here in the second half... It just felt like we were just kind of handed all the answers to the like few questions we got and then boom, the book was over. So I don't know. I just found it kind of anticlimactic and just predictable. Like as soon as we met this mysterious, he's he's also a blind man that Matt just found in this new place. Like it was obvious that it was going to be Kira's father. Like, I don't know. I And maybe that's, like, maybe this points to this being, like, a children's book. Like, I don't know. Charles, I'm sure, has thoughts. But I definitely just found it, like, very anticlimactic. Like, it just wasn't that exciting at all. Like, the first half we're talking about the different ways of dying things, which was, you know, boring me to tears already. (laughs) And then then we get to the ending where, you know, it's supposed to be exciting. And, like, it was – everything was just handed right to you. So, it like, there was no, like – there was no plot twist. And, you know, I love a good plot twist. I don't know. What about you, Charles? So I will agree that I thought the ending was anticlimactic and predictable. Like, it was quite obvious um, where we were going to get with basically all of it, except the very ending with Kira basically being like, I have to stay. Like, that was kind of left as, like, a bit of a cliffhanger. Like, what was her, like, reason for staying? But we'll talk about that more at the end. 
but I was kind of let down by the ending just because I was like, yeah, that was super obvious. And then she's like waiting to go. Anyway, we'll talk about that. I mean, I still really, I agree with you though, that I think that the, the fact that it was predictable and that we got resolution to basically all the plot points definitely kind of like we said with Percy Jackson kind of, um, indicates a younger reading audience, maybe at least target. Yeah. So, but let's dive into actually to the plot. So we start with the cliffhanger from last week. The kids are going to go down to look for the singing. And like you said, it's this little girl named Joe and Jameson is watching over her and forcing her to learn a bunch of new songs. And so from this moment, we can kind of clearly see that Jameson is keeping things from Kira and then Kira ends up actually telling Jamison, which was the other like only exciting point of the last episode that we talked about, how Annabella told Kira that there were no beasts. And so she tells this to Jamison because she's obviously like confused. And she's like, Annabella said that there are no beasts. And Jamison's like, that's a lie. Like she's losing her mind basically. And then the very next day, Annabella is dragged to the fields to be killed. So obviously really suspicious that, you know, Annabella says something that goes against what is believed in the society, and then she's immediately pronounced dead. And we learn this because Matt, the little dirty boy, that's just what I want to call him, he sees Annabella being dragged, wherein, and then he tells Kira about this. But when Jameson tells Kira, he says that Annabella died in her sleep, and they took her, but like how Matt describes it is like, kind of almost like she was like, she was still alive when they dragged her, like she wasn't right or maybe not um i thought she was dead already but actually it was i think like, you're right because he she, does because he said it, she said that she wanted to go to the field she was being dragged because she was a corpse and and also because he imitates well, that so matter of he fact imitates me. like her dead face and kira's like stop doing that so yeah you're right but and it, but it's it was, very suspicious the clear like, insinuation is that she was killed at her yeah. house and then like it's just because they bring dead people to the field that's all mm-hmm. That's why she was dragged there, but the insinuation is very clearly that Annabella was taken out for saying that there were no beasts, which kind of proves a point, if you ask me. Yeah. Like, that as soon as, yeah, I mean, it was it, that was pretty obvious. I hope that seventh grade and me figured that out. I can't remember, but I, like, probably, I mean, get, it was pretty heavy-handed. Yeah, and then... All these secrets maybe are kind of inspiring Kira to break the rules because we learn that Thomas just carved himself a key to unlock his room because Joe, the little like toddler singing girl, they keep her like locked in her room, whereas Kira and Thomas are able to like leave their room whenever they want. But Thomas says how since he was taken there when he was a tyke, he was locked in his room, and so he just carved himself a key so he could get out. And he says all the doors have the same lock, which is just interesting. So he, that's not secure. so he's like, I carved myself a key so we can go unlock Joe's room, and so they use it to go talk to Joe and kind of become friends with her. Yeah, that's really not secure, but you know, whatever. These people have bigger problems. <laughs> but yeah, as you mentioned, they sort of get to know Joe and. They and they're also asking around. They ask other people if they knew Joe before she went to live in the council edifice. And it's kind of they find out that Joe's singing has been like an innate gift 
and that the songs kind of come to her and that she, and they kind of all, they, the two of them sort of puzzle out. They're like, oh, we all have this natural creative talent, but we're actually being forced to use it for the community. And they like coined the term artists. So like, I think that's what we do. We make beautiful things. And so they're all artists, but they're also all orphaned. And then they were all collected and like forced to tell like the elder council's stories. And they're kind of like, hmm, that seems a little fishy that it's all three of us. Yeah. So like the three of them all have something of value. So although they're being nurtured by like the council of elders in their building, they ultimately lose the ability of choice, just like in Jonas's community. And also, Jameson says something like how they've waited a long time for Kira to make the, the future scenes on the robe. And so I was just like, so are they like chosen ones that they've been like given this gift of like knowledge, like how Kira can, you know, make things with her hands, like without thinking about it, like with the threads. And Thomas can just carve things like really easily. And Joe like says how sometimes the songs like just come to her like yeah i think they were really just talking about like the innate artist drive but but yes it was very like jameson was like we've been waiting and now we're gonna keep you locked up rapunzel for the rest of your life you know yeah apparently and but yeah it's kind of like a gross parallel that you just mentioned about how they're losing like their freedom of choice, like Jonas, like Jonas's community, because that's definitely not something that I was thinking about. But, you know, you've been very good about looking for parallels and contrasts, whereas I'm like, they're just in two different universes. I try to make it into a series. <laughs> Thank you for that. But we've been omitting both of our least favorite character, Matt. The dirty boy. <laughs> We're going to call him Matt because that's his name. But he's gone missing. But it's pretty quickly revealed that he went over yonder to get blue so that Kira would like him best. And so, and he brings it back to the village and he shows up during the festival to show Kira a scrap of blue fabric. I just have to say, it's called Gathering Blue and like we don't even get to see the gathering of the blue. Well, she's going to plant the woad. But she doesn't gather it. But anyway, with this, like, Matt, he just disappears, and you're like, oh, maybe he's dead. And then it's like, oh, he went to go gather the blue. Kira wasn't even involved, but I guess she was never going to make that journey, unfortunately, with her leg. Oh, I just, I mean, I never thought he was dead. I was like, oh, it's so clear he went away. I mean, I don't know. He's basically, like, I mean, they go to, like, Kira and Thomas go to, like, his mom's house, and she's, like, good ridden. So I was like, how is he going to get food? Like, how is he going to live? But he persevered. He got the blue, so that's good. But backing up a little bit, let's talk about the festival, where during this festival, (laughs) the singer, they literally sing all day, like, for hours on end. Like, they take a break in the middle of the day for lunch, and then he comes back. And just keeps singing. Yes. It's really bad for your vocal cords. Yeah, I mean, I probably can't talk for weeks. Like, it just sounds very terrible and obviously unfair. But I guess at least he only has to do it once every year. Yeah, then you just get locked up. Rapunzel. 
But then during this, I wrote down because, again, this was like just kind of like this one. I wouldn't say it was as predictable, but again, it was like they we got gave the resolution the question, so quickly that yeah, it didn't really. The, it didn't really even get to like sink in because like you didn't even get a chance to really like forget about it because it was really like one chapter. They're talking about what is this clinking noise that they're hearing during the singing? And then the next we find out what it is. And I just wrote that like this clanking noise is I, I was like, maybe it's like how they control the singer, which I was essentially right because we find out you were right that this, that the singer is chained like around his ankles and it was pretty gross how they described like his mangled feet and like his legs like were just like rotten from like being constantly in the chains. But like, yeah, how it was written was just really like, I don't know, it definitely like, it was just, it like, it was definitely meant for a younger audience, like how that was written. I would agree. And, but like you said, the moment of suspense was kind of resolved really quickly, which was a little anticlimactic. But let's go back to Matt. I know you don't want to talk about him, but his second surprise, it was a man who had his eyes basically got gouged out or like scarred out. He's blind and he's wearing a blue shirt. And he tells Kira how to grow the woad plant, which allows for blue dyes. And quickly, I got to say, I was wrong. I said that it was probably going to be indigo that they found because that's a plant that dyes blue, but apparently it's woad instead. And I was like, as soon as this man came in, I was like, 100% that's Kira's dad. And then I was correct. Yeah, it was pretty obvious, especially when it's like, okay, according to the stories, Kira's dad was taken by beasts. So he was obviously attacked. So when this man, one of the only, like, some random man who's about the age her father should be, who is blind, so is obviously, like, has been attacked and has suffered an injury that's caused him to be blind, who comes from another place but is still, like, able to find his way to the community on his own because they say how, He's like, like, I've been here before. He's like, I've been here before. Like, it was just way too... I mean, I guess, like, maybe as, like, a kid reading this, you wouldn't you wouldn't see it coming, but I was just like, are but you kidding me? But after the first like, reading, it's so clear that her father cannot be dead after the first reading, or that there's yeah. more to his death story, because we know that there aren't beasts. Well, also but we because know that, they mentioned it so many times, like... Like, yes, it was so obvious that, like, it was her father's identity was going to come back, so, yeah, totally. But then I also, like, I was like, I'm sure that it was Jameson that attacked Christopher, because, one, Jameson is literally like, I saw him taking my beast, which I'm like, well, that's basically Jameson saying, I did it. And two, Jameson wanted, Christopher Christopher was going to be on the council. And Jameson is about the same age as Christopher. And if Christopher was going to be on the council, he probably was like, Jameson was like, well, if I get rid of him, then maybe I can have his council seat. And lo and behold, Jameson's on the council. Yeah, that was also just like, again, it was all so obvious that it's like, okay, the only other character we met that said he was on the hunt with Christopher obviously is the one who attacked him. Like, it was just a little too, uh, like I said, a little too predictable for me. Well, we were both right then, I guess, weren't we? Yeah, but it's not always, it's kind of disappointing to always be right. <laughs> oh, I like being right. But it, it, it didn't even feel like a reward. It wasn't like when I figured out 
that Selena was the spy in Percy Jackson because I was like, it could have been any number of people. Exactly. That one wasn't as, pre- like, that's not a predictable. Like, I worked for that one. Because, like. Whereas this was, also there was no payoff because it was literally the same chapter that we found out everything. Well, I'm just saying, like, I think, well, I mean, I still, Josh being the hook-handed man and the one hint being snakes, there's no snakes, that. Now, that's a good plot twist right there because even though there were other things pointing to Josh, that was something that, like, the hint I'll never forget that. That was good. That was good writing right there. I know. I really tried to give it to her. She wouldn't, but the I'll never was forget there. that. That was, yeah, one of the best moments of the reading. Michael Scott, if you're still listening to the podcast, we're giving you another round of claps for that. Because it's in the, I still remember in the, like, is it the, the epilogue or whatever of the last mm-hmm. book when he writes the letter to Sophie? And yes. he's like, yeah, my world, it doesn't have any snakes in it. And I literally, like, had a flashback to you, like, commenting on that. Because I remember when I was like, oh, my God, this world has no snakes. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Because I remember when you you mentioned I was like, why would he even bring that up? Like, that's not even important to the story. Like, that was so random. Because it was important to the story. Boom. Roasted. But anyway, back to this story. So with Christopher, we learned that he lives in a community of people who have basically, like, been cast out of their community that Kira lives in and other communities just in general. And it's all the people who have like defects and injuries and they basically just all come together and support each other. Like they talk about, or Matt talks about how like the community is just like super quiet and everyone just supports each other. And like how, even though like Christopher even says, like, cause when he's telling Kira to come back, he's like, yes, I can't see, but you can be my eyes and I can carry you because you have like your leg is hurt. Like, It's just, like, that whole idea of, like, we can just rely on each other, which is just totally opposite from Kira's community, where it's just, like... Where they literally... Kill or be killed. They were, like, Like, she eats too much. Survival. Let's kill her. Yeah. Like, survival of the fittest. So, it's very different. And it definitely feels like a lot of people have been kicked out of Kira's village and go and live there. And now the plan is that Kira and Christopher are going to go back to his community to live together. Yes. Okay. So at that moment, I had a lot of thoughts because I read that and I was like, um, what about what about Thomas and Joe? Are we going to take them with us? I was like, I feel like they need to come too. They need to escape too. But Kira basically has like a change of heart. Like she has like a plan At least, I think so. Like, she basically is like, I can't go yet, Dad. I have to do something here. But she didn't say what it was, right? Yeah, I mean, she was basically saying, I mean, that's, again, where it's the moral of the story of when things get, when things are bad, you don't run away. You work to make them better. And so, like, just like you're saying how, oh, we should take Thomas and Joe with us. Instead of taking them with us, why don't we just work to make this a better world for everyone to live in? I mean, I guess. Maybe they're going to use their power of, like, carving the the stick and she's going to write her own story. Well, she said about, basically her idea is she's going to write history on the robe and that's just going to make everything better. Again, this is clearly a, (laughs) this is clearly geared to, like, a younger audience. That's really good logic. That's that's how that's going to work. This is clearly geared to a younger audience. But, yes, the moral of the story is basically just, like, just because things are hard doesn't mean you should run away. You should try to work to make things better. Also, because by working to make things better, you help everyone as opposed to only helping yourself. 
because by running away, she would only help herself and maybe she could take Thomas and Joe with her and Matt. But like, what about all the other kids who get stuck in this awful world? Well, whereas in Jonas's world, Jonas runs away to help everyone because by leaving, he gives everyone memories. But also he's like, oh, also they're going to kill Gabriel and I probably shouldn't allow that either. So Jonas's leaving was both selfish and selfless. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess it's fair that, like, that's the moral, like, but it was, it was kind of just, like, you're not going to affect change, Kira. They wanted to kill you just for having your mother die, and she was probably taken out by the government. Well. Such is life. If you can believe in yourself, you can do it. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Well, that brings us to Jonas. The best part of the whole book. The highlight of the book. This is what I was waiting for, the okay. whole book. So, yeah. I feel like, and I don't know because I've never read the other two books in the series. And also, like, I can't remember if, like, someone's told me. But, like, the other boy has to be Jonas, right? He has to be. Because, like I said, I was waiting for this the whole story. Because, obviously, if this is a quartet, whatever, they have to be connected in some way. But... Matt... Okay, let's give some context for the listener. Matt tells Kira, so when he comes back, or when he's, like, just talking to Kira about the other community that her father's from, Christopher, he says that there's this boy with amazing blue eyes. He says he has a two-syllable name, and he's the same age as Kira, and he's not broken in in this healing community that he calls it, because he says how, like, a lot of the people have, like, disabilities and stuff, but there are some people who are just like normal and have nothing like nothing affecting them. And he says this person doesn't have anything affecting them. And he says that, you know, Kira, like you could go there and marry this boy. And that has to be Jonas. Blue eyes, two syllable name. And they're obviously like Kira and Jonas would be about the same age. And he's not broken as Matt describes him in the healing community. And again, since these books have to be connected in some way. There's no reason why, again, when everything in this book is obvious and predictable, there's no reason that Lois Lowry would have mentioned this blue-eyed boy that we obviously know that Jonas is the only blue-eyed person we've met. He's the, I mean, obviously they don't really talk about eye color in this book, Mm -hmm. but Jonas is the only, Jonas and Gabriel, and Gabriel's obviously a toddler, so he would be a tyke. (laughs) So it has to be Jonas, and I am betting my whole life on that. Well, that's what I thought, too. And I'm glad that we agreed on that. But, like, that's, like, kind of the end of the book. Like, Christopher goes back. Matt apparently is going to spend his life walking back and forth between the two villages. Which he is the messenger, which is the theme of the third book. You think? I mean, I am assuming... Again, obvious. Again, it's obvious also, because what's the last one called? Sun? Sun. My prediction is Messenger is going to be about either the two communities, like, coming together. So, because we'll get Kira and Jonas in the next book. But, like, maybe, like, maybe in the future or something. Um, And then Sun, I would assume, maybe. You're not going to assume correctly about Sun, because Sun goes back to Jonas's community. Are you sure? I'm, like, pretty sure. I was going to assume it was about Gabriel, because since he was also a big part of the story. Well, Gabriel's part of Jonas's community. Is he not? 
Yeah, but I would assume like Gabriel is still like younger mm-hmm. and I feel like we're going to get something like, I don't know, that's just what I would guess for son or maybe like Jonas, maybe Jonas and Kira do get married and they have a child. And I, it's son, I mean, it's I've him. never read son. I've like read the synopsis. And that's the end. That's Sorry, the last that's one. The the series. You'll, I don't know. you're not going to guess what son is about. Well, then how did, so you already know what it's about. So that's well, I've cheating. only read this, like the, the dust jacket. So I just have a vague well, the idea. Dust jacket, but the dust jacket is meant to trick you because clearly. Okay, but again, what did we just say about this book being obvious? Yeah, but the first book wasn't obvious. I thought it was pretty obvious that they were killing people. Okay, well that one was, but like I didn't think that he was gonna leave the community. I don't know. We'll just have to go in there. But Okay, well, do you have any other final thoughts then before we go into Messenger? Um, I mean, like I said, I did, I already kind of pointed out that, you know, Kira didn't even gather blue, so, like, what was the point of the book? <laughs> like, we didn't even get the gathering blue. It was just all hypothetical. Um, Maybe she'll get it in the next one. If Matt's the messenger, well, maybe it would be he'll too bring a message one day and she'll be she, in her garden. She missed the gathering blue timeline, so it's over. <laughs> Gathered blue. Um, and then, like I just said, overall, I definitely, like, this book was, it was slow in the beginning and then everyone was, everything was kind of thrown at the end. And, like, for me, this compared to The Giver, because when we read The Giver, obviously, The Giver, you had, like, the shock factor of the community and everything. And, like, there being, like, the birth mothers and just the complete lack of choice, like, of the people of the community was just, like, all shocking. So, like, it was way more exciting of a read, I guess, because you didn't know what to expect. Whereas coming off of that, reading this book, because I had already, like, knew that that happened in the first book. I was kind of had, I had more expectations for that. So I wasn't nearly as surprised. So I think that's also why this didn't come across as like exciting at all. Because like the things of like, I mean, I talked about it a little bit in the last episode, you know, like keeping the children like with chickens and like just how they're like ready to stone Kira to death just because she has a bad leg. Like I just wasn't as shocked by it because obviously we already saw all the terrible things in the first book. So you know that like, this is not going to be like a normal world that we're used to where there's like civilized people. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, I think that's why overall, like I definitely like I didn't like it. <laughs> is that awful to say? <laughs> I just I didn't like it. No, it's fine. You're allowed to have opinions. I mean, I just preferred this one significantly to The Giver. And I think. That, really? Like, yeah. Even after this reread, I think that for me. I think that, I know this is going to sound insane, probably get canceled for it 20 years from now, but I think that because The Giver is like a little more futuristic, it's like something we would be moving towards, it's, I don't want to say like it's too real for me, where because it's like, it's not real, I don't live, you know, in a society where I take hormone therapy to suppress my sexual urges every day. But I think that I, Kira is like, is such a backtrack that it's like, I don't want to say more escapism because I'm not, I don't like, it's not like I want to escape to Kira's world. It sounds pretty terrible, but Kira's world, like 
for me, I'm like, I, that's less further from my, that's further from my reality. So I can like enjoy it as a story more than the giver where I'm like, oh, some people will be sheeple. Whereas like, I feel like I feel the exact opposite because I, I feel like the giver and seeing like with the Hunger Games, like all the like dystopian novels that we're going to cover, like to me, I think that's, it's much more interesting to read about things in the future because it hasn't happened yet. So there's no limits to the possibilities. Whereas when you're telling something that's more like things that have happened again, it's just, I don't have as much of a shock factor because we know that like we all study history, study history in school. We know that these things actually happen, like people being hung and stuff and like people being beheaded, like that's happened. But like for people to be forced to take hormone therapy so that they don't have emotions, that hasn't happened. So like, I don't know, to me, that's a more shocking thing to read, which means that for me, at least it's a little bit more interesting to read. But I get that. Yeah. So it's just interesting how we're like, you feel the opposite way. Also, I, I just. It's just me and my yarn, me and my needlepoint. Like, I just relate to Kira. Like, also, because, I mean, also, I think, too, I mean, for me, like, I just, I would never want to go back in the past ever. Um, well, I don't want to go there. But I want to read about it. In and the escapism. <laughs> it's not, like, escapism in, like, a positive way, but it's escapism and like, that's not my world. I guess for me, it is just, like, it's not interesting because, like, we've heard that before. You know what I mean? Like, her being stoned to gifts. Yeah. We've heard that before. Whereas, like, them doing the hormone therapy, I've never heard that before. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, that's what all these dystopian I novels guess. are, like, trying to say different ways of how the world can just end and be terrible. And, you know, which way are the which way is the way we're actually going to get? Like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, God. Let's hope we don't get any of these terrible places. Well... I guess I guess that's it. And so yeah, next week we're gonna be starting the next book, Messenger, which I guess I'll put on my prediction now that I think I think it is going to be something that like connects the two worlds. I definitely think, or at least I'm hoping, that we're gonna get Jonas in this next one because I do I, I prefer I don't know if I prefer his character. I think I just ultimately just prefer the story more. So because Kira was also a, sure. a nice character read. Like they they both were just fine, I guess. But my favorite character so far is Thomas, so. I don't know if I have a favorite character. Though, in the Giver movie, Meryl Streep's evil. She's the evil, like, head elder, and she's crazy, which is pretty fun. I think I like, I think I liked. You like Jameson. You like the evils. No, I was going to say, I think I like Jonas. Because in The Giver, like, how Jonas kind of starts to question things. Whereas Kira, to me, like, I feel like she wasn't smart enough to question things until things were handed to her. Which, but I, I like that. I like that Kira is not, like, a superhuman protagonist. Jonas, to me, is, like I said, Kira comes off as, like, a little bit naive, almost. Because, and maybe that's just, again, a personal preference. Because... Obviously, reading from Kira's more, like, innocent perspective, you're getting that, like, more childlike perspective. And obviously, these kids are, like, again, like, if they're the same age as Jonas. Like, they're, like, 12 years old. So, yeah, you wouldn't know everything about the world. And maybe, so, like, as an adult, how, even how we were reading in The Giver, and I'm like, why aren't they questioning this? Like, obviously, they don't know what it's like to actually feel the emotion, so it's hard to question something like that. But, like, how Jonas just immediately questions things, like, 
to me, that's just more fulfilling and better to read. Whereas like reading from Kira's perspective is just frustrating because all these things are happening to her and she's not doing anything because she's a child and she doesn't know any better. And so maybe like, again, if this book is obviously geared more towards a younger audience, like reading as an adult can be very frustrating. I will accept that. I, I think that's a, I think that's a valid criticism and it definitely like, I, even though I like this one and I'd probably read it again before I'd read the giver again, I don't feel the strong read to, urge to read it again. Whereas, like, when we finished Twilight, I was like, I can't wait to read this again. Hi. <laughs> I've turned Charles into a hardcore Twilight fan, apparently. Even with the bad writing, he's like, give it to me. I want to read it again. Horrible, horrible writing. But, but, also, like, because we spent a lot of our, our whole, our, whatever, nine plus one episodes that we did on Twilight, we were really talking about the love triangle a lot. Like, it was a big theme of our conversations. And for me, like, the fact that there is no love triangle, like, that there's only Team Edward, like, anyone who's Team Jacob was, like, wrong. Like, I feel, I feel lionized. Maybe lionized isn't the right word. I feel, what is the word I'm thinking of? I feel it starts with a V. I don't know. I'm not that good with words like that. It's not vulcanized. Definitely don't even know what that means. No, it's I feel. Just give me a second. I have to look up this word. Okay, well, you do that. Well, I didn't get to finish my sentence, but we are my sentence from before that we're for next week. We're going to be reading Messenger. We're reading chapters one through eleven. We'll just wait for Charles to uh, find this word he's thinking of that being on Team Edward makes him feel like. It's not vindicated, but I am, I did feel vindicated in that. Um, I can't remember the word right now. It's like, I feel, it's like when you come together and you feel like more than validated. What is this word? I'm looking up verbs right now that start with V. Like, that's literally where I am at right now, guys. If you know a synonym, you could look up the synonym. I don't know. Yeah. It's... Um, I'm so close. Are you? I'm not. I don't know. Vulcanize literally just came up as a V word, but it's not what I'm thinking of. It's not venerate either. Okay, it's clearly not happening for me right now, so I'm just going to stop. But sorry that I went off on this tangent. But anyway, I liked Twilight because I was like, there's only one way to be if you read the book, actually. Like, if you're Team Jacob, you're an objectively bad person. And so that's why I was like, I could read this again. Whereas this, I'm like, you know what, it's... It's probably for a younger audience. I don't feel... And that's one of the reasons we do this whole podcast is to see what things, like, stack up the older you are. And even though the writing was terrible in Twilight, I was like, I could read that again as an adult. Whereas, like, this, I'm like... Whereas Gathering Blue, you put it back on the shelf and you never touch it again. <laughs> well, I would also be able to read it in a day. Like, it wouldn't take that long. So I would like, aw, I went to Kira's World for a day. And it was dark Gross. and dirty. And there was a dirty dog that we didn't even mention. But anyway, you said that we're going to cover Messenger next week. 
Yeah, Messenger chapters 1 through 11. Thank you for letting me go on that tangent. I'm going to think of the word and I'll know it by next week. If you have any predictions or theories or questions or you can figure out what the word was, you can always just stay in touch with us directly on the Nerd Party website. Head over to nerdparty.com slash contact and select throwback paperback. You can send us an email there and get in touch with the network at large on Twitter at Door Nerd Party or on Instagram at The Nerd Party or Facebook.com slash The Nerd Party. And to find me, I'm at C. Ishiland on Twitter and at Seashells on Instagram. And I'm at Asia Bonia on Twitter and at Asia Doponia on Instagram. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network. And make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe. Have a good one. We will see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.